18 minutes before 4 o'clock in the morning on December the 7th, 1941. A minesweeper, the USS Condor, was patrolling just outside of the uh, harbor in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. And an officer on deck spotted something. He says to a sailor, do you see that too? And sure enough, he does. And he says, what is that? It's a periscope. It looks like from a submarine. But there are not supposed to be any subs in the area. They quickly sent a blinker signal to the USS Ward, a destroyer, and said that they had spotted this, uh, this periscope and, and had them go to check it out. And a couple hours later, the Ward discovers the, the ship um, sometime off and, and sends a, a, a transmission to engage this submarine because it's not in an area where it's supposed to be. No one responds properly, and so the Ward fires two torpedoes at this sub. At exactly the same time, or just about the same time, um, two Army privates were manning a, a, a radar station on, on the island, and they discovered what looked to be about 50 or 60 planes flying towards the island. They quickly called the, the lieutenant who was in, com, in command and, and told him what they were seeing on the radar. He told them that they were expecting some B-17s to come in from the mainland. That was probably what it was, not to worry, go back to what they were doing. And, of course, they did for about an hour later. And at 7.55, the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. They came in a very quick and violent assault, as you know. One of the bombs in the first wave was an armor-piercing bomb and landed directly on the USS Arizona. There were over a million tons of gunpowder on that ship that quickly burst into flames and 1,200 men lost their lives almost immediately. Shortly after that, it looked like the, the attack was over and everyone began to, to bandage the wounded and, and, and find the dying, rescue who they were going to rescue. It looked as if the attack was over and the worst was past them until they realized that a second wave was coming. This time, 167 planes, more than three times as many as the first, and the second wave was more, more devastating than the first. The Japanese lost only 29 planes in the attack on Pearl Harbor, and only half of those, about 15, to anti-aircraft um, guns from the, on the ground. In contrast, the United States lost 18 warships, 188 aircraft, and 2,390 souls. I tell you this story not to rekindle old hatreds, in fact, thanks be to God, the war ended and we became friends with our former enemies. But I tell you that because I asked myself a question as I thought about this. How is it possible to attack an, a, a naval base during a time where there's an international conflict going on? How was it possible for them not to see this coming? There were signals out there. There were, there were, there were um, you know, opportunities to know that this attack was on the way. How was it possible? Well, you know how it was possible. Some, some way, along the way, the Japanese were able to literally and metaphorically fly below the radar. They were able to, to not be detected on the radar until almost the very last moment. And even then... When they were picked up on the actual radar, they were able to fly below the perception of the, the officers and the, and the servicemen who should have been able to detect this attack coming. They were able to fly below the radar literally and metaphorically. It's something that everyone knows, whether it's at, 
whether it's a, a, a war mission that you're trying to plan or a practical joke, you need to fly below the radar. And so whether it's an attack on a harbor or putting a whoopee cushion on your teacher's desk or chair, you want to fly below the radar. And that was the case here. There are other times in life when the absolute worst thing is to fly below the radar. You remember, perhaps, those of you um, who has been a while, high school, those of you who might still be around that age, um, middle school and high school and college, the last thing you want to do is fly below the radar. Do you remember maybe, you know, had your eye on some guy or girl and, um, and you said maybe to a parent or a friend, he doesn't even know I'm alive. She doesn't even know I exist. You don't want to fly below the radar then, do you? You want to be on their radar. You want them to know that you exist. And I think that's where fashion comes in. Have you ever thought about all the fashion trends that you've seen perhaps go by? And maybe some of you are too young to have noticed changes in fashion. Trust me, there'll come a day when you'll look at pictures of yourself and you'll laugh. Okay, I, I see pictures of myself um, when my children were born and I think, my Lanzo's glasses are huge. What was I doing wearing those things? You know, And, and, and you know that 20 years from now I'm going to look at pictures of me today and say, my, I look like a nerd. What in the world was I doing wearing those? You know, And, and there's going to be... The, in the 1980s, parachute pants. I mean, who in the world thought that was a good idea? Really? Uh, it, it, it was better in the 1970s. I remember my cousin going to prom wearing a powder blue tux with a ruffled blue uh, shirt. Anybody remember the powder blue tux? Yeah, it wasn't just a joke on, on Dumb and Dumber. It was a real thing. It really did happen. Yeah, there were all these bad fashion trends some of them that you've fallen into. And if you flip through the photo album, you know it. You'll say, oh, what was I thinking? I'll tell you what you were thinking. Notice me, please. It's what we're all thinking. Look, will you please just pay attention to me. Can you see me? I'm alive and I'm really here. And yet, there are times, I think, especially with our religious life, that Jesus says, it's not about getting noticed but it's about flying below the radar. It's about not getting noticed. Perhaps you caught it in the text. In Jesus' day, there were, there were many things that people couldn't do. Uh, there were, you could only take so many steps on the Sabbath day. If you were in the middle of the road and you had reached your allotted number of steps that you could take on the Sabbath day, you were to sit down in the middle of the road and get run over by whatever camel was coming your way. There was, no, there was a, a limit. You cannot do this. There were foods you could not eat. No shellfish, no pork. There, there, were, there were places you couldn't go. Things you could, lots of rules. Maybe some of you have some of those rules in your own home. But in this case, there are also things that you had to do. If you were to be a faithful follower of God in Jesus' day, three things you had to do. You had to give money to the poor. You had to say prayers. And you had to fast. These were acts of piety that were expected of all followers of God. If you were, were religious, if you were serious about your, your faith life, give to the poor. Say your prayers. Fast two days a week. Giving up food. Giving up water. Giving up things that are part of your life. And Jesus comes along and he kind of says, you know, those things that you're supposed to do, they're all really good things. But if you do them in order to be seen by other people, 
It means nothing. Absolutely nothing. If you're going to fast, don't let anybody know about it. If you're going to give, keep it a secret. I like what he says. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. You even sort of keep it a secret from yourself. If you're going to pray, go in in a place of private prayer. Don't use prayer as a means of telling everybody how religious and good you are. Well, it shouldn't be hard to jump to this application, is it? Here we are, ready to enter the season of Lent. You know, I, I, um, I teach at this university, and, the, and these um, uh, the students are kind of into this thing. I think they think it's really cool to do something for Lent, which I'm glad. I, I, I think um, uh, that's great. I, I, I applaud them for this. But they tell me, and they tell everybody, they put it on their Facebook status, what's, what they're giving up for Lent. And I have to tell them, but that misses the point, doesn't it? And the point is that we, that we don't do it so that everybody knows, but rather that what we do in secret, God sees in secret. When we pray, that we, we pray in secret. And when we give, we give in secret. And when we fast, well, we fast in secret. Believing that the Lord who sees in secret rewards openly. And it's not just for the reward alone, is it? It's about what it means to have an authentic faith experience. What would happen? What would happen in our lives if only God knew how much we loved Him? I remember going to a church where people used to, um, they used to verbalize things in the midst of the sermon. Um, they would verbalize, you know, amen, hallelujah, whatever. They would do this sort of thing in, and I actually said that word. Uh, they, they, uh, they, um, they would, they would say, you know, kind of give back to the, to the minister or whatever as he was preaching. And they would do this regularly. And then one evening we went to this, this church. It was a, a very liturgical church like this and where outbursts weren't necessarily welcomed. And I remember going through the reading. My wife says to me as we're going through this, you remember that part where we were reading and the, the response of reading? And I said, oh yeah. She said, it almost felt like we should say something like, amen, that we should, we'd add some, some, uh, verbalization to it, but I thought it would be wrong. And she said, so I kept it quiet and I didn't say anything. And I kind of felt like only God could hear. I'm not so sure that's not the point. That often we use a lot of, even even in our, our religious culture, ways to draw attention to ourselves. And Jesus is saying, that's really not what it's about. Sure, it's okay to be religious. Sure, it's okay to tell your mom that you're fasting meat so she doesn't make a meatloaf and, you know, and then you're stuck. Or it's okay to do, but it's about the things that we do to draw attention to ourselves. I think what Jesus is saying, if he would have said it like this in this time, is it's good to fly below everybody else's radar. Because when we do that, we land smack dab in the middle of God's. Amen.